Hello, dear friends. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF, your hometown radio station, right there in cowboy country, Madison, North Florida, South Georgia. Uh, we pray you've dried out from the rains that uh, we got uh, recently and that you're ready today uh, to have some uh, different kind of rainfall. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The kind of rain that brings living water, a time of refreshing from the hand of the Lord. Amen. God is moving by His Spirit all over the world. And we pray in the name of Jesus today that you will stay tuned to this teaching uh, uh, from the Word of God, from the Bible, uh, and that we will begin as Christians to get a fresh new grasp on our our privilege and power of of our salvation and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior today and and you're thinking of of coming to Jesus just as accepting some religious person religious principle instead of a mighty savior and a lover of your soul we pray you will stay tuned today the devil will tell you that if you become a christian you you're going to get in some kind of religious box and all the joy of life is going to be taken away from you when you give up sins that are really are going to hurt you in the long run and are never going to fulfill that that deep deep desire of your heart and life. Ah, oh, friend, the Christian faith, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, is much, much more than just accepting the creed, the catechism, the dogma of the Christian religion. Oh, the creed is important. The catechism is important. The Christian faith is vital. Uh, but I want you to know it's the person of Jesus Christ that makes all of this so much more than just getting religion. It's getting a reconciled relationship with God. It's getting a peace that passes all understanding and a joy unspeakable that is full of glory. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, that doesn't sound like a religious box and it certainly is not. Maybe you have met some Christians that don't understand who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them and they look like they've been baptized in vinegar. Well, there's much more to the faith. Uh, let's go to the Word of God today. Brand new subject, a brand new teaching this week, and we pray that it will bless you. Whether you're a Christian or not, please stay tuned today. The, the Word of God has something to say to every one of us. We do welcome our listeners that are listening from other states right here in America. We do welcome our Listeners who are listening by computer anywhere in the world, any nation of the world that you are hearing this broadcast. And we would love to hear from you by contacting either the radio station, WMAF, right there in Madison, or contacting us through our website. Just type in uh, The Holy Church of God uh, right here in Tampa, Florida, where this broadcast originates, an affiliate of Independent Assemblies of God International. Uh, and uh, Or you can type in Pastor Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, Venable, V is in victory, E-N-A-B-L-E, 
Deborah. And that will also take you to our website. There's a place there that you can leave any comment that you would like to leave. All right. Having said that, we're going to talk about the new subject this week. The blood of Jesus speaks, and so should we. The blood of Jesus speaks, and so should we. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24 is our text for this teaching. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. I'm going to read that again. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. I like the Amplified. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator, go-between, agent of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which crieth out for vengeance. All right? This blood of Abel that cried for vengeance is found in Genesis 4, in verse 10. And he said, What hast thou done? God speaking to Cain. And the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Same thing happened in the book of Revelation where those that have been martyred for the sake of the gospel that are so close to God, they are right there beneath His throne. And they cry out, How long, O Lord, will you not avenge our blood upon the inhabitants of the earth? And he says, Just a little while, uh, until your brethren, who shall also be slain for the sake of the gospel, shall join you. Friend of mine, there's a payday coming. There's a judgment day coming. But right now, the door of the ark of safety is open. And the Holy Spirit is calling for whosoever will to come and find that place of safety and refuge before the day of the Lord comes. Now, this is why it's so important to understand the contrast between the the cry for justice and vengeance and the cry for mercy and for pardon. The blood of Jesus is crying out right now for 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 mercy and not for vengeance, for pardon and not for justice. So what does the blood of Jesus actually say? In particular, what does the blood of Christ say to God? It cries simply that our sin debt is paid in full. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. You see, friend of mine, Jesus is our sacrifice lamb, our substitute. His death on the cross satisfied God's demand for justice. You see, God is not only just, He's a justifier of those who trust in Jesus Christ. How can God be just and not judge sin? How can He be just and not give the requisite punishment for the sin that's been committed? How can He sustain His holiness and holy justice with and still pardon the penitent sinner who comes to Christ? Because He sent a sacrifice lamb, 
John the Baptist astounded those who heard him say it. When Jesus came on the scene and he was baptizing unto repentance and he saw Jesus coming and God dropped a, a revelation into his heart. And when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He saw him as he truly was. He saw him as the substitute, the one who would satisfy God's justice so that every sinner, without exception, every sinner could be saved. How do you know every sinner uh, is called to salvation? Because the scripture is very clear. It's not his will that any perish, but that all, that all be saved. It's not his will that any perish, but that all be saved. And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the river of life freely. You know, he wouldn't even close the book of Revelation without one last call in Scripture. Amen. The last chapter of the last book of the Bible has the call to come and drink of the river of life freely. It says the Spirit says, come and let he that heareth say, come and whosoever will let him come and drink of the river of life freely. That's God's great call to salvation. And the reason God is calling us to salvation is because Jesus died so we could be saved. He took our place. He paid the ultimate price for our sins. That's why Isaiah 53 says in verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Praise God. The next verse says, All we... All we like sheep have gone astray, but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God treated him as a sinner uh, on the cross, and his wrath burned up and burned out in Christ until Jesus cried, It is finished. It is accomplished. Or it is paid in full. There should be a joy. We've been having a, a, a real focus on the finished work of Christ in our church services right here in Tampa. And one of the things the Holy Spirit is bringing to our remembrance, not just because of a Holy Communion service, but what Holy Communion with God represents uh, throughout our life on a daily basis, day by day, moment by moment. We should focus on the fact of our salvation and have the joy of knowing that we were loved enough for God to give His only Son, His only begotten, and for Jesus to give His life. Oh, friend, make no mistake about it. Jesus was not a victor, victim of, 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 of Caesar's Rome. Oh, he was not a victim of Pilate's authority. He was not a victim of, of, of the Sanhedrin's decision to want Him dead or the cry of that crowd that wanted to see His blood flow. 
Jesus became a victim because of our sin. And he did it willingly. And on the cross, he did not remain a victim. On that cross, he became a victory, a victory, a victory, hallelujah, in our behalf. Praise God. So what does God say? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. Exodus 12 and verse 13 says, And the blood shall be unto you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Ah, hallelujah. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, see the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ supplied the blood. Just like the Lamb that was slain in that day in the book of Exodus when God was visiting the plagues upon Egypt and the death angel was in the land. He, he told them to slay the Lamb. He told them to take the blood and put it upon the doorpost of their house. And he said, when I see the blood... I will pass over you. Friend of mine, Jesus Christ in the new covenant supplied the blood just like that little lamb supplied the blood in that day that was slain. But the blood had to be more than supplied by the lamb. It had to be applied by each family and each person. Friend of mine, today Christ has supplied the blood necessary to save you and to save me. And when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the blood that has been supplied will be applied. Hallelujah. And it will have its, its effect in our life and upon God. And when God says, Amen, your sins are pardoned now. Your sins are forgiven. In fact, your sins are remitted. They're not just covered up. He treats us as if we had never sinned. It's called justification in the New Testament. Praise God. Amen. Confidence. It brings great confident faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Andrew Murray had very much to say about the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is what he said. He said the blood must have the same place in our hearts which it has with God. We can rely upon the Lord Jesus to reveal to us the power of His blood. In fact, and this is not His saying, I'm going to interject right here, the great song, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the blood. There's wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. I'm going to continue reading from Andrew Murray's statement. He said there is no single scriptural idea from Genesis to Revelation more constantly and more prominently kept in view than that expressed by the words, The blood writes Andrew Murray. There can be no approach to God, no fellowship with Him by faith, no enjoyment 
of His favor apart from the blood. By the institution of the Passover as an enduring ordinance with the words, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The people were taught that life can be obtained only by the death of a substitute. Life was possible for them only through the blood of a life given in their place and appropriated by the sprinkling of that blood. It was that blood by the covenant that had its foundation and power. It is by the blood alone that God and man can be brought into a covenant relationship. Without blood, there could be no access by sinful man to a holy God. On Moriah, the life was redeemed by the shedding of the blood. In Egypt, it was sprinkled on the doorpost of the houses. But at Sinai, it was sprinkled on the persons themselves. The contact was closer, the application even more personal and powerful. Philip Brooks says, Sin is never so dreadful as when we see the Savior with that blood upon His garments. And the Savior Himself is never so dear. Never wins so utter and so tender a love as when we see what it has cost Him to save us. Out of that love, born of His holy suffering, comes the new impulse after a holy life. And so we stand at last purified by the power of grateful obedience, binding our holiness and escape from sin close to our Lord's struggle with sin for us. And it shall be said of us that we have washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be free? from your burden of sin. There's power in the blood. The songwriter is stating what the Scriptures are declaring. Hallelujah. There is a fountain filled with blood. The songwriter says that flows from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. Friend of mine, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, God sees the blood. The blood of Jesus speaks to God on our behalf. Hallelujah. What the Lamb of God has supplied in the shedding of His blood, we have applied by repenting of our sin and receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, the blood of Jesus speaks to God on our behalf and He cries for mercy and He cries for pardon. And when it's applied by faith, amen, for we are justified by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. We are saved, amen, through grace by faith. Glory be to God. What does the blood of Christ then say to we who have accepted Christ as our Savior? It cries that we are forgiven, that we are reconciled unto God, that we are accepted in the Beloved. Our past is past, our guilt is gone, and our conscience is clear. Glory to God. Let's read that. Then You know, that's a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. It cries that we are forgiven to us 
that we are reconciled unto God, that we are accepted in the Beloved, our past, that God is past. Our guilt is gone. Our conscience is clear. Hebrews nine twelve through 14, listen to it. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. You know, it's one thing, amen, to, to, to be able uh, to not have people accuse us anymore because we are forgiven regardless where they forgive us or not. God has forgiven us because of the blood of Christ. It's another thing to not have the devil be able to accuse you because he has no grounds, no basis because our past is gone. Our past is past. Hallelujah. He doesn't have the material any longer. He can't be the accuser of the brethren who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's another thing to have our own conscience clear, to not be carrying the weight of guilt and shame any longer. We can't make people forgive us. We can. Uh, we can keep the devil's accusations from affecting us if we don't let our conscience any longer accuse us. Conscience is a good thing because it is something God uses to convince us of our sin and our guilt and our need for a Savior. But when we come to that Savior, repenting of our sin and knowing that when we do, that the blood of Jesus speaks to God on our behalf and our sin, not the half but the whole, has been absolutely forgiven. We have been cleansed from it. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have been justified. And God is just in justifying us. Because he does it because of the blood of his own son in our behalf. Isn't it amazing that through God, the, uh, that the God of the universe no longer accuses us and Satan can't accuse us, our conscience sometimes does. Getting God's forgiveness isn't difficult. Accepting it and proclaiming it and letting our own selves be forgiven. Forgiving yourself because God has forgiven you cleanses the conscience. Not carrying that weight that God wants to lift from us. One of the great hymn writers of the past struggled with these very issues and his name was William Cowper. Uh, uh, and this is, this is what he said. He's a young lawyer with a brilliant mind uh, and found the pressures of life so overwhelming, he had a complete mental breakdown. And while confined in the asylum and suffering from prolonged periods of deep depression, he would spend much of his time reading the Scriptures, remembering his spiritual upbringing as a child, 
and his concern for the eternal destiny of his soul, he struggled with the question of his salvation and peace with God. One day, while reading the book of Romans, he was confronted with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said, and I'm going to read where he read from Romans 3, 23 through 25. It said, For all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation or a satisfaction through faith in His blood. I'm going to say that again, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Hallelujah. While admitting his need of personal redemption and the sufficiency that is in the blood of Jesus, our great Savior, being convicted by the Holy Spirit, William Cowper realized a personal relationship with Christ and a sense of forgiveness of sin. He, therefore, was gloriously saved, gloriously converted at the age of 33 years old in 1764. Oh, friend, you, if, if this can happen to a man who had a complete mental breakdown and confined to an asylum suffering from prolonged periods of deep depression... I'm convinced there are people doing drugs today because while not necessarily in an asylum, that deep depression brought on by the sense of guilt that is carried, if not in the conscience, some people are in denial about that, but in the subconscious of where we are, we are, feel like we are, we are worthless, we are useless, that people look upon us as, 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 as absolutely some infinitesimal, uh, unworthy person uh, that should be in jail, that should be uh, absolutely annihilated, that we should be incarcerated forever with no hope and no future. So why not just just burn ourselves out with alcohol, burn ourselves out with drugs, burn ourselves out with sin? Oh, friend of mine, there is a victory for you today. There is a God who loved you enough in your sinful condition, with all of your hang-ups, with all of your habits, with all of your past failures. There's a God who loved you enough to give His Son, His only begotten, so you could be saved, so the burden of guilt and shame could be lifted from you, so a place could be secured for you in His royal family, and a place could be secured for you in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. You know, when we as Christians get to heaven, the first thing that's going to occur after getting over the shock of the beauty of that city and the shock of seeing Jesus face to face. There is going to be a sense in the presence of that Holy One and that holy place that we really, in and of ourself, 
We don't, we're out of our element. We're, we're not of that kind of place. We're of this kind of place, this old fallen sinful world. And not a one of us can stand in His holy presence and declare that we are sinlessly perfect in and of ourselves. But we can declare that our sins have been washed away, that our sins have been remitted, that we are absolutely forgiven, and we're treated as if we had never sinned. It's called justification. We will have a sense of, oh Lord, how did we qualify to be in your presence in this holy place? And we will declare Hallelujah. See, the blood of Jesus has spoken to God on our behalf, and we will speak accordingly. We're here for one reason. We're here, and we're confident that this is now where we belong because of what the blood of Jesus Christ has accomplished in our behalf. You see, the blood of Jesus speaks, and so should we. Praise God. Somebody is listening to this broadcast today. And someone is saying, Pastor, preacher, I I don't know how I could ever change. And I don't know how God could ever forgive me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. And I want to declare unto you today, the blood of Jesus knows exactly where you've been. The blood of Jesus knows exactly what you have have done. There's nothing hid from the eyes of Him of whom we have to do. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is crying out to God on your behalf. It has been supplied so that you could be saved. And you today can apply that blood if you will call upon Jesus, repenting of your sin and receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. Ah, our friend is gone. Friend, our time is gone. Would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.